Our scripture reading is taken from Daniel chapter 2 verses 1 to 49. The reading will be done in two parts. I will be reading verses 1 to 23. Daniel 2 verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honour. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realise that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did, they, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Ariok then explained to the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time, so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God for ever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. 
He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and disposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So we pick up the second part of our reading from Daniel chapter 2, verse 24. Daniel chapter 2, verse 24. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles of Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he is asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what was going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than any other man, but so you, O king, may know the interpretation, and that you may understand what went through your mind. You, you looked, O king, and before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron, partly of big clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and gold were broken into pieces at the same time and became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain that filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and, and now we will interpret it to the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will rise, inferior to yours. Next, 
a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, uh, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things into pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. Just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the king of heaven, the god of heaven, will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor will it be left to other, another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honour, and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods, and the Lord of kings, and the revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position, and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Uh, now, those who are younger, you, you might be heading off to do your uh, own activities now. If you're doing that, have a great time as we dive back into this book uh, of Daniel. Hopefully we'll see you at the end as we get back together for a final song. If you're staying and you have a Bible nearby, grab it again and, and turn back to Daniel chapter two. And as you do that, let me lead us in a prayer. God, our Father, again this Sunday, as we come to you, we want to turn away from ourselves and turn to your words in our need for your grace and in these times for, for understanding and for wisdom and to draw close to the Lord Jesus in whom all these blessings are found. By your spirit, through your word, would you cause us to find him and to love and trust him? And we ask it in his name. Amen. Uh, now we're, we're back in Daniel 2 and if you were wondering when this is all happening, it's kind of end of the 6th, beginning of the, the 5th century BC and uh, God's, God's people Israel, the nation of Israel had long since split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, because of their sin, had gone off into exile 
Uh, the southern kingdom, uh, Judah, with the, the capital in Jerusalem, had been going the, the same way. Uh, they'd been ignoring God, rejecting his word, turning away from him. God had long warned uh, about the consequences, but for the majority of the people, they, they kept going. And here at the beginning of Daniel, disasters come in the form of judgment at the hands of Babylon. What do you do uh, when your life is caught in tough situations? What, what do you do if you, if you can't see what God is, is doing in the world? If you were with us last week in chapter one, we met Daniel and his three friends. They were among some of the first to go into exile in Babylon from, from Judah. And we saw what they do. They resolve to be loyal to God. They, they decide to keep trusting God, whatever else is happening. And the message of the book is that was the wise move. Uh, that was wisdom. Uh, you know the, the old adage about uh, knowledge and wisdom. And knowledge is knowing that a tomato is really a fruit. Wisdom is knowing never to put it in a fruit salad. And look, we're less concerned about where you plop a tomato. We're, we're much more concerned about where you, you plop yourself in life. And wisdom at its best, it, it wants to take what we know to be true and, and joyfully plop it into practice uh, in, in life. I guess we, we've been thinking a lot about that recently as we, as we hear the kind of slogans that are coming out. Uh, protect the NHS. Uh, save lives. So what do the wise do? And well, at the moment where they can, stay at home. We've been told that's wisdom. But what about wisdom for the whole of life? And what about wisdom, not just for a specific situation, but for the long term? Where do you get that? Well, that's what this book, Daniel, wants to speak to us about. That's what it wants to offer us. And, and even here in this, this rather strange story about Nebuchadnezzar. We, we met him last week. He, he's the king of the world at the time. But at the beginning of Daniel chapter 2, he's had a really weird dream. Verse 1, his, his mind was troubled and he, he could not sleep. Now, in his day, people thought a lot about dreams, thought they would give direction for life. And that's the way Nebuchadnezzar is thinking. So he calls, for his, he calls for his wise men, his kind of top religious bods, and he, he expects them to deal with the dream. And and when they can't, he orders their execution in, in a most unpleasant way, verse 5. They're to be cut into little pieces. Their, their houses turn to rubble. Now you begin to sense he really hasn't been sleeping very well. But then Daniel steps in with what we're coming to expect from him, verse 14. Wisdom and tact. He asks for a little bit more time. And then after a night praying with his friends, he claims to have the answer. It's an enthralling story about Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel and his friends. Except you read it carefully and you realise it's not really about them. They're only here to let someone else shine out. And it's as you watch their interaction, you find yourself introduced to the main character, God. And getting to know him, you find wisdom for life. So here's the first thing this morning. God alone can tell you the meaning of life. And now, I'm no expert when it comes to wine, but whenever we have a glass at home, I love to try and play the amateur expert. I slosh it around my mouth and I, I say the kind of things that I've heard other people say. Oh, it's definitely getting citrus here. Uh, there's hints of oak all over it. I have no idea really, but that's what I like to do. And for us amateur experts, we're looking for something distinctive, a, a kind of key taste that flavours the wine. 
Daniel chapter 2. If you want to begin to get into that, if you want to begin to understand what's going on here, you want to think like a wine taster. Try and get the key flavour, slosh it round. Uh, try it with me for a moment. Uh, look, verse, verse 11, the astrologers speak. Here's what they say. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king. Down in verse 19, during the night the mystery was revealed to Daniel. Verse 28, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Verse 30, this mystery has been revealed to me. And then the punchline from the lips of a pagan king. Verse 47, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you were able to reveal this mystery. Did you spot it? The key flavour running through it. The whole story is an absolute setup. It is set up to convince Nebuchadnezzar initially and then you and me subsequently as readers about where you find life's meaning. God is the revealer. He can reveal what life's about. And now this dream that the wise men asked what it was, but the king's suspicious. I mean, anyone can say they're interpreting a dream just like anyone can say they, they can tell you what what the meaning of life is, Nebuchadnezzar has different ideas, verse 9. Tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. I'm kind of impressed with him at this point. He doesn't want to be duped. The wise men reply, verse 11, no one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. And you see what we're being told. When it comes to revealing hidden things, that the pagan gods are silent. When it comes to questions of absolute meaning and, and purpose, they, they've got nothing to say and there's no proof that they're even there. And you might think, well, look, looking for, for meaning in, in dreams, it's, it's ridiculous anyway. We're, we're scientific now. But it's not, really, it's not really helped us in the search for meaning, has it? Not, not in an absolute way. The atheist author John Gray wrote this in one of his books a while back. Science has supplanted religion as the chief source of authority, but at the cost of making human life accidental and insignificant. And you understand what he's saying? Life doesn't mean anything. You don't mean anything. Not, not in any kind of absolute way. When, when it comes to questions of meaning, secular atheism delivers the same deafening silence as the pagan gods. Some people, like John Gray, want to insist, look, you've just got to come to terms. Life has no meaning, but, but I don't buy it. From the way we live, I'm not persuaded that we really think that or really feel that, not least because of the way we're responding to the coronavirus. And why else would we be willing to damage the economy in the hope of, of saving some more people? No, from the baby in the womb to the desperately ill COVID-19 patient, we don't feel that human life is insignificant or meaningless. And if we did, what would that do to our compassion? No, I think we sense there is meaning for us and we just want to know what it is. Madonna, a few years back, the singer Madonna, a few years back, she was interviewed and she said this, I was at the top of my world, I'd, I'd won a golden globe for Evita, I was pregnant, had fame, fortune, everything you would perceive a person would want in life. 
But I'm sure everyone's had that out-of-body experience where you say to yourself, why am I here? Why am I inside this body? What am I doing? And you realize it's the same question. What does all this mean? So don't think when you read Daniel 2 that it's just some sort of naive religious question. Everyone's asking it. Celebrities. Your friends will be asking it. Those who are ill at the moment are asking it. And don't think Daniel 2 either is saying just look for meaning in dreams as if every cheese-fueled nightmare is going to tell you the purpose of your life. No, no the point is, look, wherever you are, whether, whether, you're someone who's, whether you're someone who's looking for a kind of new spirituality or, or whether you're someone who wants to defend a kind of robust atheism, Daniel 2 is saying, look, if you, if you want to find life's meaning and purpose, make sure you listen to someone who knows Make sure you listen to someone who proves that they know what they're talking about. And Daniel 2 says that is what God has done. He reveals a dream that no one could know to the king of the world in order to persuade you and me that his words are trustworthy. God alone can tell you the meaning of life. So what does he want to say? We're going to think about that in a moment. Before we do, we're going to sing again. This is a new song for our church family, but it's a song that speaks about God holding and directing our lives. So if you're able, why not, why not stand? Uh, and as the music begins, and we'll join in together. Or do sit down again. Now, we said just before that Daniel 2 is saying to us, God alone can tell us the meaning of life. Here's the second thing. God alone plans and controls history. Come and have a look at this dream with me. Verse 29, here's what we read. The revealer of mysteries showed you what's going to happen. The dream's about the future. Verse 31, Daniel says, there's a large statue. There's a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, uh, legs and feet, part, partly iron, partly clay. And then verse 34, the, a rock was cut out, but strangely not with human hands, and it, it smashes into the statue, grinds it to dust. But then this rock begins to grow and grow until it becomes a huge mountain and fills the whole earth. And you can imagine, can't you, if you were in the room, uh, people looking from Daniel as he, he says this, and then looking to the king and wondering, did he get it right? Is that the dream? And then they notice the look on Nebuchadnezzar's face as if he seems to nod, saying, on you go. And they realize Daniel is bang on the money. He's absolutely right. So, so what does it mean? Verse 37. The statue stands for four kingdoms. Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom, that's the head of gold. They're hugely impressive. Three other kingdoms will follow. Silver, bronze, and a, and a clay-iron mix. And you get the way the imagery works. There's kind of decreasing splendor, but increasing toughness, but a fragility that's built in towards the end. Then the rock. It's God's kingdom on earth. That, that's the meaning of the phrase. A rock was cut out, but not by human hands. You know, verse 44. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Now, there's, there's lots in this, but... 
just think for a moment about what this is saying about history. This says history is not meaningless. It, history is not just an endless list of kings and queens and empires that, that come and go. The world is not that described by T.S. Eliot in his poem, The Hollow Men. If you ever read that at school, we are the hollow men, we are the stuffed men. Our dried voices are, are quiet and meaningless, shape without form, shade without colour. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. You wonder sometimes if... If there's people looking on at coronavirus uh, with that kind of feeling, is this it? Is this the way it ends? Not with a bang, but with a whimper. But you read Daniel 2. You, you read these words. You, you listen to this dream and God says, no, this is the way it ends. This is the way it ends. The, uh, the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdoms of our God and he will reign forever. Daniel 2 says, look, history doesn't have an end. It has a goal that it's, it's hurtling towards and it's, it's been revealed to Nebuchadnezzar, a goal that has at its very centre God's eternal plans for his people on the earth. Verse 44, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. This is going to last. Daniel 2 is saying to us, look, if you're someone who wants to find meaning and purpose in life, if, if you're someone who wants to know, look, what is life all about? Where should I be heading? This says, look, you need to understand that goal. And if God's revealing history is not meaningless, it's going somewhere, he's also revealing it's not haphazard. Come and look at verse 37. Daniel, speaking to the king, says, you, O king, are the king of kings. The, the God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. History is not ultimately in the hands of kings or prime ministers. Any power they have has been given to them. Yeah, yeah, they can use it and misuse it. They'll have room to maneuver, but they're not in charge ultimately. Any more than viruses or vaccines are. Even as it's right to, to battle one and and look for the other. No, no, this is who's in charge, verse 20. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. Those of you who are teenagers, before you think, well, will I be able to do my exams? Will I be able to go to university? Think about this. Students, before you think, will I be able to graduate? Will I be able to get a job? Think about this. Engaged couples, before you think, when will we be able to plan our wedding? Think about this. Those of you who are feeling just incredibly frustrated and agitated about the lockdown, before you think, when will life get back to normal? Think about this. Those of you on the NHS front line, if you want the psychological tools to be able to cope with the genuine risks you face at times and the heartache that goes along with it, make sure you've thought about this. History is in God's hands. And that means your history 
is ultimately in his hands too. Christian, life or death, your ultimate future is secure. It doesn't feel like that at times. Daniel 2, God, God's people are in exile. Life's really hard. But God the Revealer tells them, my kingdom is coming. It is unstoppable. So if you want direction for life, look to him. Listen to him. He remains in control, even in difficulty. And for us today, we, we've got even more encouragement because the great Revealer has, has spoken again. We read this at the beginning of the service. Do you remember these words? In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And you could include Daniel in that. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Do you remember the words of the astrologers? It's too difficult what the king's asking. No, no one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. The Christian good news, when you begin to get your head round it, this message about Jesus, when you, when you start to understand what, what it's saying, and it, it really is stunning. It is something quite mind-blowing. It says that in Jesus, God did come to live with us. And he has spoken a final word to reveal his plans. The word of the dream, a kingdom established, but, but not by human hands. Here it is in the good news about Jesus. Jesus, God's son, held out divine hands on the cross in order to build a kingdom where, where foolish people could become wise, where, where foolish people like you and me who, who've lived turning away from God, ignoring him, rejecting him, were very far away, could be forgiven and, and brought back into his family. Daniel's famous in the Bible for his wisdom. As we go through this book, you'll, you'll see the stories at times, just outstanding wisdom. But understand that this book is is written not just to show you wisdom, not just so you could look at it, but to offer it to you. The God who made everything, the God of the whole universe, who owes you nothing, is, is showing you the big picture of his plans for the whole of history. And the reason he's doing that is so that it can come with an invitation, an invitation that says, will, will you listen to me? And will you... Will you continue or begin to build your history around the history, the gracious history that I've planned in Jesus Christ? Thinking about university, looking for work, planning a wedding, battling a virus, or, or even coming to terms with some, some foolish things you've done in the past. Will you come and be wise now? If you will read the Bible this week, and ask God, look, in my situation, will you help me to trust and follow Jesus? Daniel would say, you've joined the wise. 
in a moment. We're, we're going to sing our final song together. If you've got youngsters who, who are off in another room doing something at the moment, why not go and give them a tickle? And if they're not engrossed in something they're really enjoying and you can pull them away, invite them to come back in with us. Our final song, it says about God, look, his, his plan is perfect, his victory is sure, and, and that's good to know in these uncertain times. But you can still sometimes feel, well, yeah, it wouldn't be for me. I've not done enough to deserve to be included. But this song reminds us, no, his grace is free. The, the kingdom that Jesus built, it, it didn't use any other human hands to do it. It didn't ask for your contribution. But he offers it to you freely. If you've already got him as your saviour, don't let go of him. And if you've not yet, why not ask him to be your saviour? But as the music begins, why not stand and we'll sing this final song together. <laughs>